I've been to New York City a bunch. I'd actually never been before I turned 40, but I'd heard from so many people that I would love it and I just had to go. I've ended up making up for lost time since then because I've gone for work, for personal, alone, and with other people. I even surprised my girls with a trip to NYC the year after my mom died. On every single one of my trips, I've seen someone famous. I was perusing very lifelike looking baby dolls at FAO Schwartz directly beside Chris Robinson. I saw Blake Shelton hailing a cab. Jesse Williams smiled and waved at me from a red carpet event. He sort of did a double take because I think he actually thought he recognized me. And I'm pretty sure I saw Katie Holmes outside the plaza, but maybe that one doesn't count. My New York celebrity sightings reached epic proportions on November 25th, 2017. I had gone to the city with the man I was dating at the time. It was a business-ish trip for him and a full pleasure trip for me. He had to work on the Saturday morning, so I got myself ready and headed out into the streets to shop and people watch. I had walked about a million blocks to Rockefeller Square, but it's like nothing when you're in New York, and just as I was leaving the American Girl store, my girlfriend texted me to say that Sarah Jessica Parker was at her shoe store at that very moment. It was on her social media, and she's really open about people coming in when she's there, and I was like, holy shit, where's the store? My friend immediately sent me the address, and I pasted it into Maps, and I waited while it loaded. My heart was actually racing, because hello, it's Carrie, and I was already thinking about how I'd get myself to wherever she was when the timing popped up. It was a one-minute walk. Carrie Bradshaw was literally next door. I couldn't help but wonder, is this the moment we become best friends? I'm Jenny B, and this is it, actually. This is it. So I didn't actually become best friends with SJP, but she was lovely and sweet, just like you'd expect, and she has amazing style and she makes a cute shoe. When I put my arm around her to take our picture, she told me I smelled good, so yeah, I basically could have just flown home directly from there. That was my Everest. I mean, there are a few other celebrities I'd love to meet. I'm pretty sure I'd get along fabulously with all my favorite gens. You know, Aniston, Garner, Hudson, Love Hewitt. I've also dreamt of girly get-togethers with Drew, Cameron, and Kristen. But my sister and I are what we like to call distant fans, which of course means we never really want to be all up in a celebrity's face. We grew up in a small town, and we weren't ever really exposed to celebrities, and even if we were, it was definitely a special occasion, but we always just felt that it's better to stand in the back and take it all in, because let's face it, celebrities are people too, and looking like a fawning fool is low on my list of ways I want to be seen. When I moved to the city and ultimately got a job in television, I started being around celebrities all the time. I think I kept that distant fan mentality through most of my jobs, but obviously there were some special circumstances when I got a little starstruck, and sometimes it was with someone that was unexpected for me. A really good example of that is Lionel Richie. Obviously, I loved him, and Hello was a quintessential love song throughout all of my high school dances, but he wasn't necessarily on my list of top 10 celebrities that I wanted to meet. He came on the show, and he was just so cool, and he walked in by himself, no manager, no assistant, and he just embraced everybody who worked on the show and the other guests, and he was just calmly confident. You know when someone doesn't have to prove themselves to anybody? Because when you're a legend and you know you're the shit, you're not out there making people feel small or that they have to chase their tail to make you happy. So that was pretty cool. 
Also, there's a fun addendum to this story later on from one of my guests. I told a lot of celebrity stories on the Late Night Talk Show episode and on my music episode, so if you want to hear some pretty fun stories about Jack Black and Sarah McLaughlin and Burt Reynolds, you should definitely go back and check those out. So today, when I was thinking about who I wanted to talk about, and yeah, it's about to get all name-droppy up in here, I realized that it's kind of an endless well, because whether I met a celebrity at my job or I married one, because I kind of did that back when he was in his heyday, there's also a ton of run-ins or just celebrity sightings by virtue of living in a big city, and some of them are pretty memorable. I once saw Jared Leto when we were outside the porta potties at a music festival. He was very pretty and also pretty into himself and causing a bit of a scene, which allowed me to slip past the crowd and score a vacant stall. Thank you, Jared. When I was working at the Much Music Video Awards, Bruno Mars asked me where he could go to smoke, so I sent him out onto the balcony and watched him light up a fair-sized spliff, and within minutes, he and his assistant were killing themselves laughing. I went to a party with Justin Long. When I was a server, I waited on Erica M, table 28, I still remember, and Eugene Levy once came to watch my ex-husband play at an outdoor music show. When I worked on the late night talk show, I got to book some amazing musical guests. Like, that was my whole job. Researching, booking, and hanging out with musicians. I know, it was the worst. (laughs) There were some wacky guests and some very memorable moments. I had a full conversation with a naked person in the green room, and I also tried to help a pretty famous boy band score some weed one night, and trust me, I knew about drugs then just about as much as I know now, and it ain't much, so they moved on from me pretty quickly. One of my best moments from that show was a pretty simple one, actually. Blue Rodeo has always been one of my favorite bands, and I was finally able to book them on the show. Their performance was outstanding. They continued to play after credits rolled and they were just so darn blue rodeo. But the best moment came when we were all heading out for the night after the show was done. I was walking out of the building with co-workers and my sister and brother-in-law who had come to see the show and all of a sudden we hear a quick beep beep from the street and there goes Jim Cuddy in his minivan waving a giant thank you to me out the window and well, it doesn't get much better than that. A few years ago, I went to see Blackie and the Rodeo Kings play at Massey Hall. They had a really fun lineup of other guests joining them for the night, and two just happened to be the boys of Nashville, the TV show. Charles Esten is definitely on my hall pass list. You know, like when Ross laminates his list of five celebrities that he'd be allowed to sleep with if ever he had the chance, and it's not considered cheating. Freebies. Anyway, my girlfriend's driving us down and we're just rolling by the venue and there's a huge crowd outside the stage door. She slows down to see what's up and there's Charles Esten and Sam Palladio signing autographs and taking selfies. She looked at me and said, I gotta park, but you gotta go. Now, remember the distant fan thing, so I started to say, no, no, I'll stay with you, and she must have seen the look in my eyes because she slowed to a snail's pace and practically pushed me out the door. I walked over, and everyone was clamoring to get to them, and oh man, it actually makes me so uncomfortable. So I stayed politely on the outer circle, and just as Charles was handing someone's phone back to them, he caught my eye. I smiled, and he mouthed, you're next, and I went like five shades of red, and actually looked behind me to see who he was talking to, and he laughed and pointed directly at me. He took one more picture, and then parted the crowd and called me over. 
He asked my name and said, what took you so long? And I swear I said nothing, but probably just laughed a dorky laugh. And well, I'll post the picture on my story so you can see just how starstruck I was. Obviously, living in Toronto, we're super lucky to have the Toronto International Film Festival here. Our city gets littered with celebrities, and I've heard a ton of fun stories from friends who have casually seen them on the street, at the gym, in their coffee shop, walking their dogs. I actually haven't been to that many TIFF parties, but one year when I was working at Cosmo, I got invites to them all. Well, not all, but a lot. One year, Strombo threw a party with Paul Haggis, an artist for Peace and Justice, somewhere out on the bridal path, and I was super underdressed and way out of place, but it was so cool to be there. A bunch of musicians played to a cocktailing crowd. I was up front and center for Rain Maida, because I'm a lifer, but when a stripped-down arcade fire took the stage, I decided to stick around. They were amazing, obviously, and I was standing solo, kind of midway to the stage in the small crowd. People were a little dispersed, mingling and chatting, and the couple in front of me left, so I took a few steps up. There was a guy a little in front of me and a little to my right, swaying and smiling and just having the best time. His body language was infectious. After they played a pretty unreal set and just before they came back for an encore, the crowd was going crazy, and my new friend in front of me was clapping furiously, and he turned around to encourage everyone else to join in to bring the band back to the stage, and he smiled at me, and I thought I'd been hit by a lightning bolt. It was Jude Law, and let me tell you this, that guy's smile could light up a stadium. When my time on the late night talk show came to an end, I moved over to Canadian Idol full-time for a couple of summers. One of those seasons was just the most fun. It was a ridiculous job that involved pumping up the audience by way of games and treats and accessories to complement the theme of that week's show. It was myself and my friend who were the producers, and I use that term loosely based on our actual job description, and we were each given a PA, a production assistant, to round out our little team of four. They were matched perfectly to us. I loved my teammate. We had so many laughs and got ourselves into the silliest situations. We stayed friends for a bunch of years after that, and I helped him get a job at another station on air. You're probably wondering what this has to do with celebrities. Well, that former assistant is pretty much one of the most famous people on earth right now. Like, actually. And really, all I can say to that is, it makes me so happy and so grateful for so many jobs with beautiful people and a lifetime of stories. I wonder who I'll meet next. It's 1993. A few weeks past my 20th birthday, and I step off an airplane in Milan, Italy. I am here because I'm about to start modeling contract and you know pave my way to supermodel of fame. I'm dropped off at my residence which is this really neat short-term residence for transient people. A lot of models and musicians and photographers who are trying to make it are all living in this same place. On the first night I meet this couple of dudes and one of them uh, named Glenn has this super gorgeous long blonde hair And his buddy tells me he's the guitar player for Alice Cooper. I'm skeptical. I'm like, what are you doing here if you're the guitar player for Alice Cooper? And he says, well, you know, I'm between touring. So I like to come here and I do a bit of modeling. And his buddy says, yeah, yeah, he just did a shampoo commercial. This guy nods and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, it's totally my hair. 
but when I turn around, it's a woman's face. And we all start laughing. I still don't really believe uh, he tours with Alice Cooper. But about two weeks later, he drops by our apartment and he invites my roommate and I to go see Paul McCartney, who was playing with Linda at the time, in concert about 40 minutes outside of Milan. I wonder how he gets these tickets and he says, oh, my agent was in town, he reps those guys, he reps me, uh, he's comped us some tickets, do you want to come? And I say, heck yeah, I'm in. So there's about five or six of us and I don't even remember how we get out there. And we were on the floor in front of Paul McCartney. I've got pictures from my disposable camera that I was toting in my purse at the time of Paul and Linda playing. We're really close. I'm like, you know, like 30 feet from them. And when it's over, Glenn says, okay, listen, we got to get back in the city. We're going to split up. Okay, so you and Annie get in the car with this guy. I know them. She's with the same agency as you guys. And naively, Annie and I jump in the backseat of this car to hitch this ride back into Milan. It was this super little sleek sports car, as only, you know, the Italians would be driving. And I catch a really good glimpse of the woman in the front seat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And I'm trying to signal to Annie in the quietest way that Amber Valletta and her boyfriend are driving us back to Milan. It was the coolest thing ever. That was my very first brush with fame. After that, you know, I ended up going in the entertainment business and meeting lots and lots of celebrities, but it's always those firsts that really, really catch you. And then there was this one time on an unnamed Canadian talk show when I was there on behalf of the network I was working for, and I popped into the green room and Lionel Richie has just come off doing an interview and he grabs me by my cheeks with both hands and he squeezes me and he kisses me on both cheeks and he says, thank you, thank you for having me today. This was such a great, fun interview. Next time I come back, I'm going to sing. And I got to tell you, he mistook me for the Jenny B. Anyways, I was dancing on the ceiling as I left that interview. It was pretty awesome. Joey McIntyre. So in Boston, which is where he's from, and I'm from, there's a bar called, well, it used to be a bar called the Milky Way in a neighborhood called Jamaica Plain. And they had a great karaoke night. And one night he was there and just hanging out with his friends, just chilling, very calm. Very, it was very cool, like low key, because it's kind of a hipster bar and not shitty. This was like 1997 or eight, maybe 99. And it was karaoke, it was wicked fun, and tons of people were like, dude, you gotta go up and sing a song, you know, do a new kid song, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, I'm just here to hang out with my friends and watch everyone have a good time, uh, which was great. And he was having a good time. And then at the end of the night, last call, last song, up pops Joey McIntyre and does Tiny Dancer by Elton John. And there's like 70 of us there, tops, 50 maybe. And he just destroys it like everybody is just screaming every word and everyone is giddy and he is having a good time and it was just like the cutest coolest thing for like a local super celeb who granted at this point in, in you know the late 90s they were not you know the cool guys anymore if they ever really were to a lot of people but you know what i mean and it was just really really cool that you know he was just hanging out with his friends and then just went up there and did a great song and fucking 
laid waste to the whole place and everyone was so excited and happy and it was just a really fun moment. Okay, so this is an embarrassing story. As I look back and reflect on what I did, I just feel like such a geek and just like totally, uh, I just want to hide when I think about this actually happening. Anyway, so the story goes like this. I wish I knew the year, but it was it was a long time ago. It was when Friends came out. I was at the LA airport um, coming home to Toronto and I saw this guy and I really, I thought that we like had a connection and we kind of looked at each other and I really felt like, oh, cool. He's cute. I dig that guy. It looks like he's totally checking me out. Anyway, I get on the plane and I look around the plane and he's not there. So I get home to Toronto, get get picked up by a friend and we go to stop for gas or something and I uh, go into the convenience store at the gas station and I see this guy on the cover of People magazine and it ends up being Matthew Perry. And I was like, oh my gosh, that that's the guy from the airport. Oh, he's like a famous guy. And so I just like crushed on him for like a few minutes and then, you know, carried on with my life. I think it was probably a good couple years after that or maybe a year I don't actually even remember I just remember it. Friends was at its peak and Matthew Perry was in Toronto shooting something I asked my friend if she would go out with me and find Matthew Perry so I can give him a note and the note said I saw you at the airport on this day I thought we had a connection <laughs> oh my god I thought we had a connection and I totally like dig you and would love to go on a date with you. I told my friend, okay, well, we're going to go out and we're going to just go to like every bar and club until we find him. So I remember we started at the left bank on Queen Street. We like hung out and hang, hung around and danced and whatever. And he wasn't there. We went out from bar hopped from bar to bar like across king street and queen street and finally at the end of the night we ended up back at the left bank and we were at the bar getting a drink and i was facing her she was looking at me and she started making these weird eyes like to me like really weird like kind of shifty eyes and i was like what she's like oh like pointing with her eyes like very poorly behind me anyways as it turns out i was standing right beside matthew perry and so I turned around and I was like, hi, I have a letter for you that I wrote for you. I saw you in the airport and I really wanted to give this to you. So I thought I would give it to you now. And I gave it to him. <laughs> and then I just walked out of the bar. Oh my God. That was so embarrassing. That's my one, one of actually a few kind of embarrassing, weird celebrity stories. I don't think any event could be as embarrassing as my first celebrity encounter. It was 1993. I was on a date with a girl that I met at drama class, Sarah. I was 14, she was 15. And we went to see House of the Spirits, a forgettable Jeremy Irons, Mel Streep movie at the Cumberland Theater in downtown Toronto. And already at this point, I was a massive drama nerd and I was definitely on my way to getting into the film industry. I definitely knew that's what I wanted to do. 
So we saw the movie. We came out. There was a long lineup for the women's washroom, but the men's, you could walk straight in. So I went in while my girlfriend waited in line. When I came out, every woman in lineup was turned around facing the lobby. And my girlfriend, Sarah, said, John, Tom Cruise is standing right there. I'm like, what? And there he was, early 90s era Tom Cruise. Bearded, with the long hair that he kind of had during an interview with the vampire. He was Top Gun. And he was just not like 10 feet away. Seemingly oblivious, but he was just waiting. And I didn't know for what. But all the women were whispering. And Sarah was, by this point, at the door to the women's bathroom. And there was someone trying to get by her. So I kind of was staring at Sarah and then looked behind her. And this woman with strawberry blonde hair was unable to get around Sarah because Sarah was blocking the door. And that woman was Nicole Kidman. And I got to tell Sarah, you might want to get out of the way. Nicole Kidman wants to get by you. And I guess time slows down. I guess my teenage mind was trying to find something to say. I, I had never, this never happened before. What do I say? What do I say? Think of a movie, John. Think of a movie that you can tell her you really loved her in. Because I mean, you've got to tell her this. So I first thought of Dead Calm. I then corrected myself because she had a sex scene in that. And I didn't want to seem like a pervert. So no, I can't do that. Can't do that. Oh gosh, what am I going to say? And then I thought of a movie called My Life, which is a film with Michael Keaton, which is a lovely moving piece that I'd seen not less than a year before. Anyway, all of this is happening in the space of a couple of seconds, maybe. She looked up and what I wanted to say was, I loved you in my life. What I actually said was, I'd love you in my life. And she looked at me, she gave me a polite smile, said, thanks, mm -hmm. and kept on walking. It was only towards the end of the night that I kind of went over what I actually said and died a slow teenage death of embarrassment. Nicole Kidman, if you're out there somewhere and uh, you remember that dorky little kid in Toronto, um, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> So I've worked in TV for about 10 years and mostly in talent relations capacities along the way. I have lots of stories that are pretty fun and hilarious. Uh, I've got to hug my favorite artist, Drake, twice, witnessed both times by some of my friends. And I got pulled over by the cops in a van while driving Vanilla Ice, Jan Arden and Pierre Bouvier, one of the weirdest combos of all time. Even the cop agreed. But my favorite story is when I was working with Martin Short. He was mad at me that I had booked him flights that made him get a connection through Chicago on his way to Winnipeg. And as my punishment, he made me piggyback him around Winnipeg for the entire day. This meant to set, to meet fans, to the car, to lunch, pretty much everywhere. He's pretty small and I'm a lot bigger than him. So it really wasn't that hard. It was pretty hilarious. And we got a lot of weird looks, but it was it was definitely a funny and weird day. And definitely one of my favorite of my career. This is a tip, actually. Celebrities, they're just like you and me. Well, sort of. I would say in all my years of meeting, greeting, and running into famous people, the most I've ever gotten out of them was when I was my most real. Because you gotta think, they're under the microscope all day long, especially now. And whenever they're afforded a real moment to just breathe a little and be themselves, they would have to appreciate that. So if you see one out there in the wilds, be the cool cat that gives it to them. Thank you to my awesome friends, Michelle, Jonathan, Craig, Jennifer, and Scott. Today's stories made me laugh so hard. And the best is everyone had more than one story they could tell. And that's the fun of making this kind of episode. 
I really appreciate you giving me your time today. You can find me on Instagram at this is it actually on Twitter at this is it actual. And if you'd like to send me a note, email me at this is it actually at gmail.com. Now go say something nice to someone. This is it actually take a sip and grab a seat. Cause this is